This is Salamander Babies, the only podcast recorded in my living room. <laughs> Sorry. It's true. Was Jen's little nod. I checked the room. <laughs> I'm Chief Philosophy Officer Lou Gold. I'm Quantum Anarchist Jim Gold. Holodeck Programmer Jen Marshall. And I'm Temporal Timekeeper Mario Panaghetti. This week we're discussing Season 5, Episode 6, Timeless. Fifteen years after a miscalculation causes the destruction of Voyager, killing most of the crew, a guilt-written Harry Kim and Chakotay need to use stolen temporal technology in order to save... I didn't come up with the end of the sentence. (laughs) (laughs) You wrote yourself into a corner. I didn't write myself into a corner. I was driving. (laughs) (laughs) At speed. I I I hope I didn't drive myself... Actually, I'm parked in the corner, so technically I put myself into a corner. She programmed her GPS for a corner. <laughs> Closed her eyes and hoped for the best. The computer, take us to a corner. Yeah, plot a course. <laughs> Do I need to re-record plot, that, or plot. are we just going <laughs> to... Let's just... We're going to let it fly. Uh, if you guys are listening to the episodes, you may notice I am not editing them as hard as I used to, so... Yeah. <laughs> so you're hearing we, all we, this. we do it in one. <laughs> do it in one is our new philosophy. All right, well, philosophy you... Philosophy officer. Well, you uh, listeners probably watched the episode, so I'm not going to bother <laughs> finishing the summary. <laughs> Go back and watch it if you didn't, because it was actually pretty good. If you're confused, watch the episode again. Please. And then you won't need the summary. <laughs> then you're good. But then you summarize it. Email us, hello computer, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll go back in time and send it, and send it to ourselves. We'll just broadcast it. Right, steal one of those temporal cubes that are things. Yeah, <laughs> think something temporal prime directive, which was apparently not a big deal in this episode. To be fair, they were like fugitives. Wait, so they oh, were yeah, shot wait. to death over it. Yeah. Question yeah. about the temporal prime directive. Ooh, let's get into it. What is the relationship between? Uh, ad- adherence to the temporal prime directive and the doctor's mobile emitter. Well, is, is that is is that is that even acceptable? Um, so the mobile emitter was already kind of fucked up timeline wise because they found it in the nineties. Yeah, <laughs> like so they, they didn't they take didn't, it from the future necessarily. They just found it in their they, own timeline. Well, they didn't have a choice to go back to the nineties. Right, that's true. And getting back to the twenty fourth and a half century or whatever. Um, <laughs> Duck Dodgers this time. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Uh, good catch. Thank you. So getting getting back was totally within the bounds, but keeping 29th century technology? Well, I mean, getting back wasn't actually within bounds. The only important thing for the Temple Prime Directive is not to affect your past. So really, it's the responsibility of the 29th century time travelers to protect, to prevent things from happening in Voyager's time. From Voyager's perspective, as long as they're not messing with the 90s, they can take future stuff all they want. That's fair. So I guess somebody was snoozing on the job in this episode. A, a, well, that well, wasn't even this episode. <laughs> yeah, nah, this is this is in the Sarah Silverman episode. We'll watch it. Don't worry. No, yeah. I mean, but like the temporal cops, time cops. <laughs> Jean Claude Van Damme exactly. comes in and does the splits and <laughs> takes the and takes the mobile emitter. They were obviously able to get away with their their time fuckery. Yeah, I mean, where did that time cube come from? Time cube. You're asking too many well, questions. It was a time cube, wasn't it? it, it <laughs> they was, called it, was it called the, the temporal, the temporal cube? transceiver? I think it was like a little circuit board. It wasn't quite cubish. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I thought it was like a purple cube. Or something. Janeway straight up told you not to think about it too hard. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Why is that was really funny? But that only happens at the end of the episode, and we would have had to time travel in order to get that uh, message in the beginning. But we must have because we saw it. <laughs> <laughs> See, what you guys don't know is 
tonight one of us will time travel back to when we watch the episode and something something. Will we all spoiler alert though? It's not me Spoilers. because that's not what I would have done with my first thing at time travel. It, it would be weird if you were watching this episode and future you just pops into existence <laughs> next to the TV yeah. and says, Janeway says, don't think about time paradoxes. <laughs> Wait and, a minute. Why did I these... bother to... Damn it. <laughs> and then you'd be like, man, I let myself go. What's up with that terrible wig? <laughs> <laughs> time to go to the wig store so there's no paradox. This, this went off the rails so fast. <laughs> what happened? notes that are in chronological order yes oh man the first one being time time travel story (laughs) chronological order you say what chronology yeah mine mine the first one is i go by harry now (laughs) (laughs) i love edgy harry so much i go by my name now he just looks like he is like perpetually like impaling himself on something very sharp I like his hair is like grown out a little bit and then slicked back. And I just, (laughs) I I like when he was doing the recording of him that would eventually get transmitted, I was just like, man, young Harry's going to look at that and be like, do I want to try that hairstyle? Like, that's how I feel time travel works. (laughs) And then you're like, where did the hairstyle come from? Yeah. (laughs) The paradox. 15 years is a long time. Mm Mm-hmm. But Although it, I don't understand how that recording could have been a thing. It was uh, it was encoded in the transmission. You mean how it persisted when the future was changed? Right. So, do we want to talk about the recording now? Because I have a lot of things to say about the recording. We can talk about it. the recording. Yeah. yeah. I mean, okay. we're jumping all over timeline anyway. It's temporal. Yeah. So let's fast future. forward to start eight. <laughs> Time code. What the fuck was the point of that message? <laughs> <laughs> that was like a fucked up thing to say, like... You, you fucked up. I I have, a I think, a decent answer for that. Okay. Uh, the answer is the fuck up that Harry did wasn't undone by this temple shenanigan. Just the consequences were undone. So Harry might still be feeling responsible for what happened, even though ultimately they were saved by magic future Harry. So he's basically sending a message back to himself saying, I've been stewing 15 years over this dumb thing that happened that I did wrong. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> or he's like, it's going to be okay, or... I like, I like the you owe me one thing, because I'm like, how the hell does anyone know that? <laughs> I could think of ways to treat myself. But it's not even the Fake. same you. It's an alternate you from a different timeline. He's in a failed timeline. It's a very long, delayed gratification. Yeah, seriously. It also helps with the end and, like, Janeway being like, well, Harry, you fucked up. And here's a recording of yourself telling you you fucked up. Now you can watch it for all time. <laughs> You'll have this forever. <laughs> well, at first she's just like, your shit was wrong, Harry. <laughs> and then like she comes in later and she's like, actually, with her soft Janeway mom eyes, she's like, actually, all this stuff you did was really great and you're a valued member of our team. All you have to do is violate seven of nine. Yeah, seriously. Her corpse and her past self. Yep. Violate her twice through time shenanigans. Mm. I like to think that Janeway saved that recording of Harry to Harry. There's a copy just, of it. Yeah, just so that uh, when she's really pissed at him, she can just play it on a loop on the big screen. <laughs> Remember that time you emoed out for 15 years? No, you don't, because it's a different timeline. No, worse than that. Remember that time you killed us all? <laughs> and then, and then like felt terrible about it? <laughs> like, I, I think the recording was, um, was a demonstration of his self-loathing. Uh, yeah, it like could be. he just he I mean the the writers weren't intending it this way I'm sure but it wound up being him saying you destroy you killed everybody and 
uh, it it won't ever happen, and I will cease to exist. But I'm I'm not letting you forget this. <laughs> this is all your fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, but it's, it's all your fault. I mean, I guess you could argue that it's not all his fault. That it would have it would have happened anyways, no matter which way you slice it. Also, the comm was cut well, off, so he didn't even have time to send like corrective measurements if there were any descent. So yeah, the comm was cut off. The only corrections that they ever received were from the future. That's so, true. Well, no, in the, in the initial timeline, they received no corrections and crashed. Uh, and that's really? how there was a future timeline to begin with. That's how there's a future Harry. So my interpretation was that they received <clears throat> one set of corrections, and then the phase variance increased again, and then they received a second one, and the disruption came in between the first and the second, because in one of the instances where Voyager crashes, so the second time it crashes, the phase variance increased. It was like 0.1, 0.2, and then it kind of got a little bit vague on terms of, in terms of the thing, and then there was a correction, and then, and then it went... Point three, point four, and then the comm cut out. Yeah. And then Seven was like, I'm receiving something. And so that's where they picked up when it was the um, final draft. Well, it's a little confusing, too, because the episode as it plays out, Future Harry successfully sends a message back with the calculation he's worked on for the past 10 plus years. They'd make the correction and it doesn't work. And then we actually see the ship crash, which we did not see originally. We saw the aftermath of it previously. Mm -hmm. So what we saw was one attempt to change the past resulted in the same outcome. So much the same outcome that they were even having the same actions taken in the future, saying, oh, we didn't change the past. So then he sends a second message to either exactly at the same time to overwrite it or prior to it to branch the timeline again. So that's that's one of the issues. One of the issues that I have with this thing is that since in the future, Harry, at two different points in time, sends first a correction and then the sort of cancellation message, but apparently sends them both to the same time. Because they have the same exchange of dialogue, like to the, yeah, to the moment. Exactly. And so my my interpretation of that is that both messages are being received at the same time, or they ought to be. Uh, and so, like, I don't know how that would play out in, term, in terms of, like, what's going on in Seven's head, but I couldn't imagine both safely coexisting or the later Harry's message simply overriding the other one. So I, yeah. I think that's, like, a, a weird thing that, that the writers just sort of hand-waved away. I think it's reasonable that if the second transmission was received before the first transmission that they would have had the same exact responses if they were close enough together because That's kind of what I thought too. Because there's not enough change in circumstance to really trigger new determinations and, you know, statements from everybody else. It's still seven receiving a weird transmission at a time of stress with very specific factors. But so okay, Harry's second transmission in your interpretation, Harry's second transmission is received first and is acted on. Well, that's totally fine. And that, that cancel that is essentially what cancels the slipstream. But then she should receive the second one later. Um no, because the successful second one changed the timeline to the point where the future Harry was never in the Alpha Quadrant trying to send a message back anymore. I'm skeptical. I so <laughs> I I was about to say time travel, but it's not technically a time travel story. There's any information back in time to change the past. Mm -hmm. But even so, stories like this have to be very carefully mapped out, assuming that the writers bothered to do this at all. Like we can talk every episode about how oh we can hand wave it with writers, but since there's time travel stuff, I am going to try. Okay. So original timeline, they go in the quantum slipstream. Harry sends a message back for correction. It doesn't work correctly. Voyager crashes. Everyone dies. Harry and Chico dig it back to the Alpha Quadrant. They send a message back and create 
timeline B. Timeline B plays out almost identically to timeline A, uh, to the point where the same situation happens where Harry and Chakotay end up in the Alpha Quadrant and they're in the same situation trying to send messages back. And so that's effectively branched the timeline at that point. It's mm -hmm. not connected to timeline A anymore. So now they try it again. And in sending back again, they create timeline C. So A to B to C, you're not going to get crosstalk of being sent back multiple times because those previous sendbacks and information transmissions never happened okay. in the new timelines. Okay, I, I can accept that. Um, um, I, I also, I just think it's funny that Kim made the same math error <laughs> uh, over the course of 15 years that he made within like five seconds <laughs> on the, from the Delta Flyer. Yeah. So he... Different error, but yeah, same result. Well. Yeah, so, so it's possible that maybe he didn't make an error. Maybe it's just not a sustainable setup because he could have made a completely different calculation that failed in a different way. But the fact was that they were transmitting to immediately before the destabilization of the, of the slipstream. So there, if there are multiple ways that it could have failed, then I'm fine with it looking identical. And I feel like it could have just been an inherently flawed system. And the fact that they just were like, okay, let's just cancel out of this. I'm actually pretty cool with that because it just avoids dealing with whether or not there's a way of making it work and how much of a fuck up he actually did in the calculations. It could have been an impossible problem. That's fair. That's true. What's remarkable to me is that he shows up like 15 years later and he's only got one solution. And then he freaks out when it doesn't work. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he shits a you, brick right there. Yeah, do you really... Did you really think that this was going to work the first time? Like, maybe some other characters would have been like, oh, didn't work, I guess that's... Well, maybe not, like, quite giving up, but, like, being like, oh, that's the way it's supposed to happen, then I'm at peace with this. Let's die. On the other hand, we get to see Freak Out Harry, which is always fun. That's true. I'm, I'm like, so if they were working on the theory of this branched out... Well, I was going to say, if they were working on the theory of creating alternate timelines each time they transmit a different set of calculations maybe they could have just set or sent an entire spectrum of numbers just to make like a hundred <laughs> different versions yeah. but i guess the problem with that is that um that assumes that all of the incorrect answers would just result in an equal death result without causing any problems to harry and chakotay as they get shot out into I guess they made it all the way to earth so well, also the other thing to consider is that um they were actually on a time crunch in the future scene like we can think of the possibility of, oh, they can just send that messages ad infinitum until the timeline changes to their satisfaction, but also they had, like, a warp core breach and Jordy LaForge trying to shoot them out of the sky. Yeah. So I'm it actually worked pretty well from a writing perspective of creating, like, attention and limited ability to change the past, which, you know, is, is like, the greatest... Challenge. Well, changing the past is, like, the dumbest thing, like, you can write because oh, you can yeah. just always change the past or... Right. But so being able to limit it was actually pretty... I was thought that was pretty impressive from a writing perspective. Mm. I, I just assumed that, like most of Voyager's um, numbers, for lack of a better term, I assumed that anything would be limited to at least three digits, or at most three digits, so that anything they transmit would just be, I don't know, let's just transmit, like, you know, every, we'll just brute force it. And <laughs> so it would a thousand different messages. Yeah, basically. It'd be like, okay, she'll get one of these. It'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, think about it. If you send it in a, in a staggered sequence, then you know if it didn't work each time because you're still sending messages back. <laughs> so if they programmed it to just send a million different possibilities and create a million different timelines, and, and it just cuts off the moment that they are successful because then they stop sending the message. Then you really get the time cops coming. <laughs> What have you done? <laughs> there are time cops. We saw them in other episodes. Yep. That's when Red Foreman comes in and. and 
Are you sure you're not thinking of uh, Babylon 5? (laughs) (laughs) Captain Braxton. Oh, yeah, Braxton. Um, Of the time ship Eon. (laughs) (laughs) One of my notes was that this is a pretty important episode for the canon of Star Trek, including Captain LaForge and Mm. the Challenger um, and the Quantum Slipstream Drive, which ends up being a big deal in future iterations. I mean, I think it's been a big deal in past seasons when they've been introduced to the technology. I don't yeah. think this is the first appearance of the slipstream drive. Right. It appears in the Demon Class episode when they successfully build one. Not not the Demon Class, but the follow-up one. But this is them using it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. the, this is the first attempt where they're not like coerced by an alien, and, yeah. but they're actually building their own little slipstream drive. But yeah, it's pretty cool, like making their own technology. And Jordi, I'm always happy to see Jordi. <laughs> I love him. So in the exchange that Chakotay has with LaForge, it seems like they're like at an understanding. Like, if I were in your position, I'd probably be doing the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, Hasn't he done the exact same thing? Wasn't uh, probably. There an episode of I'm TNG sure. where they're like. We gotta change the past. It's like, you know. Yeah, they change the past a lot. <laughs> um, he does turn into like a salamander monster in one episode. Wait, is this a recurring theme in Star Trek? <laughs> kind of. Oh, salamander God. monsters. <laughs> in wow. our alternate timeline podcast where we discuss next gen episodes, <laughs> we go into that in great detail. Yay! <laughs> uh, wait, no, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> we allude to the fact that we might someday. <laughs> Who knows what will actually happen. Mm. But yeah, in that exchange, LaForge is like, well, if I were in your place, I'd probably be doing the exact same thing. And they both say good luck to each other or something like that. I kind of liked that cordial exchange. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I was expecting... Uh, like it to be kind of a formality on LaForge's side and was like yeah I have to stop you and then like not trying yeah it makes sense this way it makes sense the way they they shot it and wrote it but I I kind of wanted it to go the other way oh where he holds back and lets them do their thing yeah Yeah. but I mean like Jordy worked really hard for his last 15 years he's a captain now of another galaxy class ship Mm -hmm. was it galaxy Yeah. yeah Oh, nice. It, yeah, the, I saw the nacelles looked uh, intrepid, but... They mentioned... But the, yeah, I saw it on the screen. I'm like, oh, yeah, they're being chased oh. by an Enterprise D. Yeah. They, they specifically <laughs> said Galaxy Class. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, I missed that. I, sorry. <laughs> Harry gets a Sovereign Class in his alternate future episode. A tiny one, but still. <laughs> <laughs> um, Harry did good. Yay! <laughs> future Harry does good. Present <laughs> Harry never does. Oh, he true. tries his best. <laughs> sorry, they're aborted timelines. They don't count. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's a kind of angsty episode, which mm-hmm. I enjoy for a variety of reasons. But man, did you see the look on Chicote's face when he saw Popsicle Chainlight? <laughs> <laughs> and then he kissed his real girlfriend, Tessa. No. <laughs> girlfriend, what? air quotes. They're having sex. He what? said it. They said it on the screen. No, they just said attached to the hip. That he also said they're having person. sex. No, he didn't. He First did. he says they're having sex. Yeah, he says they're having sex. The I, I was looking at my phone. One of my other notes. I had to was, rewind it. I had to rewind it to see. Like, did he actually say that? Do you remember the 10 minute scene where he talks about how much sex they have? No. <laughs> One of the other notes is how many girlfriends does Chicote need? <laughs> he needs. What he really needs he is. He looks up with like everybody, or it's implied. Well, sure, but what he really needs is somebody that he actually has on screen chemistry with. I know. He like, did not have any with Tess. No, no. That no. was... Janeway was frozen at the time. <laughs> <laughs> she was a little frigid, a little cold to him, just saying. Give him the cold shoulder. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, icy stare. That was a 10-minute scene right there. That was a 10-hour scene right there. <laughs> scene right there. Weeping. He needs, to, he, needs, he needs to thaw her out. His tears melt her face. <laughs> <laughs> like the end of the Pokemon movie? I didn't bring like that. Like the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, a different kind of melt. That's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I thought the 10 minute scene that you were going to talk about was. Um, the dinner? Yeah, the oh, dinner. No, that's well, next. Well, oh, oh, the, you invitation, <laughs> the invitation to dinner and then the dinner. Oh, yeah. yeah. See, 10 I minutes. I told you each. there were three. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I know which three you're talking about. Oh, I saw them. I can't deny them. They happened. Yeah. They were probably about 10 minutes total. Nope. <laughs> it's actually a 30 minute extra episode. <laughs> All in slow motion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah All in Janeway's like, quarters. You, me, dinner. It's happening. And yeah. he's like, well, You can't okay. back out. Yep. And then she made him veggie biryani. <laughs> <laughs> made him. Well, air quote. As long as there's no raisins in it, because that shit's gross. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I didn't know you cook. She programmed a replicator. <laughs> it shows that she cares. <laughs> mm. To be fair, he cooked with Seven in that one episode in season seven that we're not going to... No, not... We don't talk about that. Yep. <laughs> not sure if that one will come up. <laughs> no. Um, that was what they did. And now he's ruining it. <laughs> special moments. I didn't, I didn't mind Chakotay and Tessa, even though she was like completely... I don't want to say completely two-dimensional, but she was a fairly two-dimensional character. She barely had two dimensions. So they she kind was... of explain what she was doing there besides being in a relationship with him, right? She They said something about how, like, like a Voyager is her life, and it's almost like she was studying the history of Voyager, I, I think. I think she's a groupie. Yeah, I could see that. She's like, I know everything about you. <laughs> and Chakotay's all over that. Yeah, you know he is. I'm surprised like, Harry Holy shit, really? Or maybe she that's why, worships like, me? <laughs> maybe that's why angry Harry was like, yeah, they're having sex, and I'm not having sex with her. <laughs> It also makes sense because then our Chakotay gets the cold feet moment where he's just like, well, shit, I had 15 years. Maybe we don't have to do this. Yeah, maybe we don't have to do this. Maybe you and me can just bang forever and we can let these people stay dead. <laughs> but, but some admiral offered Harry his daughter or something like that. Yeah. That? <laughs> yes. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. He was a big celebrity, I guess, when he got back. Yeah, marry my daughter. What does she have to say about this? Who cares? <laughs> she, she can barely speak. <laughs> Her name's Libby. <laughs> and she's real. She's Canadian. In this timeline. <laughs> of a Mountie. <laughs> Space Mountie. <laughs> Damn right. That's ridiculous. Oh. I can't wait until the future when we have Space Mountie. <laughs> <laughs> Alternate timeline. <laughs> it was an interesting moment because you got to consider that, you know, they're alive, so fuck it. <laughs> Chakotay's motivation seemed a little unusual to me. Like, I could totally see Harry. He was... Regretting his big mistake, he was trying to right a wrong. I, that made a lot of sense, and I thought Garrett Wong portrayed that really well. Mm-hmm. Chakotay was just kind of along for the ride. It did seem that way. Like, you know, he spent some time being mournful of his crew, which is totally reasonable when you're staring their dead bodies in the face. But he didn't seem as motivated to go back and change the past, and he had a relationship in his timeline that he was kind of okay with dumping. And she was okay with dumping, even weirder. Yeah, yeah. that's strange. She's like, it's a, oh, yeah, we've never met. Oh, well. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, I think it would have made more sense if it were Harry and Tom. I think it would have made more sense if Dakota was a stronger um, opponent to the time travel, and it was like a point of contention. Where he's like, I've created a new life here. I have something to live for. You're throwing that all away for the possibility of saving someone in the past. But yeah, I think Harry and Tom would have been an interesting because pairing as well. I, f- I feel like they both would have been um, reasonably devoted to the, the that particular goal. Yeah, it's all They're both have. relatively capable. <laughs> well, like Tom could have been maneuvering <laughs> uh, in, in the Delta Flyer. Yeah, you're going to need a really good pilot to yep. get this done. To do this job, you need a hotshot pilot. In uh, in the beginning of season five, and I'm just blanking on this. Are Tom and Bellana as are together as a couple at that point? Yes. yes. Okay, so I believe they 
couple of... It's like season three. Yeah. Or... Before before Seven joins the cast. Yeah. Okay. So, so Tom has good motivation for yeah. wanting to... That definitely him. would have been a good motivation. Yeah. But Chakotay and Harry don't really get very much time together. So maybe that was motivation... I guess my issue is that um, when they bring the doctor in as the sort of voice of dissent, it doesn't come off as a very strong counter-argument because he doesn't have the 15 years of experience that they have. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone else who went up alongside Harry and dealt with like the same therapy sessions and the same like falling out with Starfleet, I think someone could have an interesting conversation with him about whether he should proceed more than Chakotay's last-minute cold feet. I'm also really interested in like that 15-year span like just seeing like sad Harry, <laughs> and sad. like you know like sad Harry's therapy sessions, sad Harry having losing all his ambition, depression they, meals. Well, they they could have they could have shot some of these things. Yeah, I know, but they didn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I would have been very interested to see those therapy sessions. I feel like it would have gone to and this is dumb, but like the, the dark place of Star Trek where they don't generally get into mm-hmm. like post traumatic stress trauma things. I mean they do a little bit, but they kind of pull back generally and I mean it would have been believable believable to me if Harry never wanted to board a spacecraft again. Yeah. If he's just like, I really want to do this but I can't get on board. I can't go into space again. But no, they also would they would have had the really good out of changing the timeline at the end, which means they could go to a darker place than they normally do, like something like a year of hell, mm-hmm. where that episode goes to very dark places and shit goes down because they have a big reset button at the end. But it lets them explore characters in bigger extremes than you normally see. So yeah, I agree. I would like to see that. It could have been cool as a two-parter. Like yeah. with more like darkest timeline to Kota Hiri. I mean, yeah. you kind of see that with the series finale, which is a very similar plot now that I think about it. <laughs> a Voyager gets home... Um, with consequences, a crew member feels remorse for those consequences and decides to go back to change it. But it goes into a lot more detail of what people are doing in the future timeline. And Janeway is the is the time traveler and has to kind of wrestle with everyone else trying to stop her from taking this action. Mm-hmm. She ends up, I know it's not this episode, but she ends up um, spending a reasonable amount of effort and time uh, in the episode convincing various members of the crew to side with her, which is a very nice um it's a fun opportunity for character development within each character. And like like you talked about in this episode, um, future Chakotay, Harry, and the Doctor don't really have too much complexity in terms of their views and how much that evolves within the episode. I mean, the Doctor has almost no perspective. Yeah. He wakes up not too long after the, like, the scenes of the past. Yeah, it, it seems like a lot of the motivation between... Harry and Chakotay is totally off screen. It's all within those 15 years. We just have the product of it. Like, it was a lot of telling and and no showing. They're all solidified in the decisions at that point. Yeah. I think a lot of the episode counts on us, the viewer, one, knowing that obviously everybody didn't die, and most of the episode is, well, how are you going to put it back? Because obviously they're not all dead. (laughs) It's in the middle of the season. It's not season finale or anything like that and it's just like we already know that they're gonna put it back and so this is us watching them put it back i think that it also relies heavily on the um emotional breakdown moment that harry goes through where that's our little window into i mean he he actually in a more um calm moment um talks about his survivor's guilt and going to therapy and stuff like that but there are some very brief moments that harry expresses that are meant to convey basically their entire 15 years, more or less, mm-hmm. in terms of the trauma that they've gone through. And I think that it was kind of... I think they did an effective job in terms of 
if we're only going to spend 15 seconds here and 20 seconds there, I think they did a, a good job fitting it in. And I think that Garrett Wong portrayed it really well. You sure. do see some hints, though. Like, the way that he interacts with the Doctor is very different than you see him interact in the past. Mm -hmm. He has a little bit less respect for him and his personhood. He's more like the Doctor as a means to an end. They only activate him because he can help them dissect 709's corpse. And then as soon as he realizes that he can use the mobile emitter for power, he shuts him off, like, without even really having a conversation about it. Yeah, it's definitely a different version of Harry Kim in the future. It, yeah. It's, he, his... His worldview is different. Yeah, his, his goal is very, very strict. It's an interesting way to portray that character. I, I liked it, but I don't think they, they bought it well enough. Or sold it well enough. Lou, you have. Uh, I'm sort of borrowing some terminology from oh, you. Oh, um, earning, yeah. earning a cheat. Yeah, like you can cut a corner, but you have to earn enough cred with the audience um, by doing other things in order to justify that cutting a corner. Yeah, like I, I didn't feel like they exchanged enough to to get where they where they put Harry, but giving them enough leeway to do that, uh, it, it was really interesting. One thing that I I really liked about the episode was uh, given the um, the single-mindedness of Harry, his willingness to sacrifice himself, his his sort of like single-minded devotion and and like the warp core breaching is totally inconsequential. Like it, it's only the time limit to actually performing the function that he had. I found that really affecting. I I, I liked it. Yeah, when Mario, when you referred to um, Harry as using the doctor's doctor as a means to an end, is like yeah, but Harry's also using himself as a means to an end. Mm -hmm. Like he's so doesn't give a f about what's going to happen to anything as long as it can make the objective work. So, yeah, I mean he's got kind of kind of a dangerous perspective of once you have time travel, like you can throw away this entire timeline for the sake of changing the past. Like it doesn't matter if he blows up if he's successful in his mission. And if he's not, he's dead and wouldn't care anyway. Right. So he's kind of gotten suicidal a little well, bit. Oh yeah, from his perspective that totally makes sense. Yeah. Um and I'd like I don't fault that at all. It's logical. <laughs> yeah. I in in most works, uh, I I feel strongly about self sacrifice. Um, I I feel like in, there are a lot of there are a lot of works where it's done well, and I, I find those really affecting. And then in other situations where it's done really poorly, I f***ing hate it. <laughs> and I, I just wanted to give an example of something that was done really poorly. Uh, did anybody see Big Hero Six? Yes. Yeah, no. I did. I liked the movie. Overall, I think it was a good movie. The sacrifice at the end? Totally bullshit. Absolutely well, okay. bullshit. I actually thought the sacrifice was okay until it was obviated by him downloading a backup copy of the robot It friend. wasn't. It wasn't <laughs> even that. It was the physics of the sacrifice that don't make sense. Oh, you're talking He about has it. a fucking rocket fist? I don't know how much this is conveyed in audio, but effectively, they're in a zero-G environment. They're trying to get to an exit point through a dimensional portal. And in order to do it, the robot sacrificed himself by sending his friend through a, like, a, a propelled rocket fist, yeah. pushing him into the portal. And so then, theoretically, I guess they're going off of like equal and opposite reaction physics where he pushes backward. But the reaction is only against the thrusters in the fist? Yeah. He could be holding on with his other hand and survive with him. Or couldn't he just fire the fist in the opposite direction and get propelled backward? Uh, no, he, he wants to... So like... Hold, want, hold, like, with your, propulsion. hold with your left hand, fire the fist going in the exact same direction with your right. You you, you pull the arm away or whatever, but mm -hmm. like it's pushing everything. <laughs> like physics just means that like 
<laughs> that that whole sacrifice is totally worthless. So where were I, you? I mean, it worked from a, <laughs> a simple child's cartoon movie <laughs> perspective. Like he no, it is a robot who's just built specifically to protect that kid. Yeah, and so he should have fucking held on <laughs> over himself. Yeah. What? Oh, but protect the kid over himself. Like, but but there was nothing keeping him from holding on. Short-sightedness, like he's also a healthcare robot. Like he just doesn't have a good sense of physics. I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, yeah, I get, I get both. But yeah. no, th I mean, th what, what I mean is, the entire point of Big Her of Beta's um, sacrifice is to make the audience feel bad. Like there is no goal other than that. Like it, it was a Disney movie emotive emotive moment, and like it was totally destroyed because it was totally. Oh, see, Not my necessary. issue with it is it's totally destroyed because the sacrifice has no weight when you can literally be re-downloaded afterward. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that's... like, there's not even a self-sacrifice, ultimately. Like, yeah. he just discarded a robot body and gave him his brain in his fist. Yeah. I mean, that's that's another, that's another aspect of it. <laughs> Whereas I think something like uh, Iron Giant, if we're going to talk about like robots sacrificing themselves, I, I thought never that saw was it. better done. You need to see it. It's a very good movie. Very good Brad Bird animated film. Nice. I've yeah. heard. I've only heard good things about it, but I haven't fantastic. Seen it. It holds up very well. Nice. I have another point. <laughs> <laughs> what robot cartoon movie are you talking about? Um, so, speaking Wally? of, speaking Wally, of right? dark, <laughs> um, so they mentioned that everybody uh, on board was killed on impact. And, I mean, obviously they need to show the frozen corpses of their friends, but that's not what people who are killed on impact look like. <laughs> they look like they were frozen gently in their sleep. Yeah, why aren't they paced on the ground? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, was it Harry said um, decks 9 through 14? Are now deck 10. Are now deck 10, which I'm like, where did deck 9 go? Well, it's a joke. Deck <laughs> no, but it's, no, but. You're it, saying it should be the next deck number. It should, 9 through 14 should be 9. I don't oh, think they yeah. collapsed upward. I think they sandwiched. No, I, 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 no, I know, they, but I'm they, saying that it should be consolidated to the near, so, <laughs> whatever. So once they bring the computers back online, they'll update the labels. <laughs> You get the correct deck number. Turbo lights. But you've got Janeway, who's basically like vampired out there, like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then like sort of nine gently laid like, to rest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're all perfectly intact and frozen. Yeah, mm -hmm. they froze on impact. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, it was really cold. What burr, a gentle burr. landing that they just were knocked to the floor <laughs> and then froze immediately. I mean, Enterprise <laughs> D and Generations, pretty much everyone survived that crash somehow. Like, I mean, the inertial dampeners are really good. No, the inertial dampeners are the first things that go offline. And yet yeah. they come right back on as soon as they crash into something. It's amazing. No, people get thrown around. Like that's Thrown that's... around, but think of the speeds they're going at and then the speeds that they're not going at. <laughs> oh, yeah. And well, the time between those two speeds. <laughs> yeah, they would have made a crater in that planet. It's amazing Wanna talk that about it physics. took them... Yeah, it's amazing oh, that's that it took them so long to figure out where they were. Well, they're buried it's... under the ice, weren't they? Like, the yeah, ice froze back over too. at the top. But they would have made a crater. Like... Presumably. But I think they didn't know what planet they were on. Yeah, that's probably true. Like, I think the shuttle was lacking telemetry since the shuttle didn't exit the slipstream at that point. Yeah. Well, they also came down uh, at an angle. They did. At, at a pretty Yeah, which is why angle. they were still upright. Uh, yeah, relative to the surface, like very much like the crash in generations. Where they, they like, cut the forest. <laughs> yeah, but they also skipped. They like cut the top of off a mountain. Yeah, uh, and there's a little bit of that with a snowdrift. But if you had watched just that landing with no context of the episode, you would expect the next shot to be them just like getting up off the floor and yeah. being like, oh, that was weird. So <laughs> true. This isn't gonna work because we saw that. Um, 
various things were frozen in place where they were. But what if they did survive the impact and they all just froze to death? Yeah, that's kind of what I wondered at first. But everyone's in, like, <laughs> was in their stations. Yeah, everyone just oh, lays man. down and accepts death. <laughs> that, that, I, I think, they, I think the writers... a darker end. <laughs> I think that was something the writers probably considered and said, like, no, we can't have... That's too the- grim. <laughs> Freezing to death over the course of a couple of just days. Just a few light years from home. <laughs> yeah. That's awful. So so this could be like they landed on the top of Everest, where every once in a while the atmosphere just sort of drops out. So anybody who's up there dies like that, except for the fact that, you know, they, they were in tundra. Yeah. They were, <laughs> all right, I've got it. I've got it. They were low. They survived the crash. Instant solar flare. They're all irradiated. <laughs> and then they freeze. Yeah. That's what it was. They just snapped frozen. So intact bodies, but dead, then frozen. <laughs> yeah, the solar flare would have been stopped by the whole. Sorry. It would have been so the shields much. Shields were offline. Oh, okay. I guess it would have been so much uh, more tragic though if you see like like groups of officers like clumped together like <laughs> oh, dead yeah. fireplace. Like it's like Tom Hair, but it's like <laughs> they're burning phasers it's like, in the fire. <laughs> oh my god, that would have been actually kind of people an embraced in ash. That would be that would be so that would be a nightmare because like. In a spaceship like that, almost nothing would burn. That's true. <laughs> they would have like no fuel to burn. But they have fires. They the fires break out on the bridge sometimes from attack, like explosions uh, and things. I don't know how long the burning goes. They they burn the, the dead. Oh my god! You yeah. Just see, like, yeah, they burn the dead. Yeah. A charred corpse that's like obviously seven nine. It's just got her like it's just board pieces. <laughs> Her receiver is broken because it got burned. <laughs> I liked uh, I, I liked the fact that she has a false eye, and they just showed that like it was. They just had like her brain and skull. That's continuity. Plant. They yep. actually mentioned that in her first episode where she's uh, converted from her board parts. Oh really? The doctor has to give her an artificial eye. He's like bragging about how good it looks. Oh. Yeah, and he also gave her the weird like rib marks and breasts and yeah. yeah. The doctor, you know, he, he does weird things in that. He's got attention to detail. Mm-hmm. Some detail. <laughs> the details that count <laughs> for ratings. He was modeling it, modeling her body after like the only documentary evidence he could find. It was just like Chakotay, uh, not Chakotay, like Tom's stack of like oh, 1950s oh, Playboys. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I was like, well, I guess these are just uh, normal-sized boobs. This is uh, this is what people look like. <laughs> this, is, this is what a normal person looks like. Observe her human gams. <laughs> we, we wanted her to be an average specimen of the human woman. <laughs> these are actually com- uh, completely average breasts. <laughs> See those eyes? Betty Davis eyes. <laughs> That's ridiculous. But you do see the size. <laughs> 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 we wrap the fabric Oh my god. That's all I get. Besides musing about how this could be way darker. <laughs> it could have been. I it even thought been, about yeah. that. Everyone dies, but it could have been way darker. <laughs> yeah, all you see is like... Chakotay doesn't even like get misty, but he's just like, this isn't exactly a happy reunion. And then he's sitting on the bridge and he's like, Harry actually gets a little bit misty. Another way it could have been way darker, if we're if we want to go in this direction, okay, let's do it. Is Harry and Chakotay could have literally killed people to get where they are. We don't know. They, they just said did. they stole a shit. They stole they, the Delta Choir. They, yeah, they said they stole stuff and committed treason or whatever. But they're wanted they, for high treason. They they never said anything about killing anybody. But like if they had, is punishable if by they death, had, so right. But they didn't kill anybody necessarily. But like, if they had shot their way into and out of that shipyard to steal the Delta Flyer or whatever, 
Uh, if they had like killed people to get that that Borg temporal transceiver, that could have been a scene, like a shootout. Yeah, that could have been interesting. And and like it, it would have been like, holy shit, they're serious about this. Yep, it would have not been Star Trekky though. Yeah, <laughs> um, unless they justify it saying like this will never have happened when we're done. Like mm-hmm. like there could yeah. have been a way to make that work. Yeah, like they basically they basically become totally amoral because they realize this timeline is doesn't matter yeah. if their plan succeeds. That that would be a fascinating way to approach the the material. I'd I'd be curious how this um, jaded morality plays in with Chakotay's spirituality. <laughs> I'd want him to just like. I don't even know. I haven't thought this through, but I just want to see the scene where he's like somebody's trying to, to reason with him as a as a compassionate spiritual man, and he's just like, no, f- it. <laughs> and just, it takes, he's yeah. like, the spirits won't know what we did when we're done. <laughs> he's like murders him with his bare hands. Summons a bear. <laughs> guy doing the jeffrey's tube like historic he's just doubled over yeah they're doing this like historic we're gonna try this new type <laughs> of engine for the first time ever it's gonna be fucking awesome and this guy's like oh, i'm just gonna crawl through here and not Maybe he forgot <laughs> <laughs> he didn't program his computer to remind him that that was the time they were doing it that was today <laughs> instead the ship crashed everybody survived he was trying to escape the hungry horde of people that wanted to eat him <laughs> he's escaping the chuds <laughs> It doesn't Jeffrey's tube until he froze to death. This is a great episode. <laughs> Everybody started chasing Naomi for veal. Oh no. <laughs> She's tender. <laughs> I do find it funny that um, in episodes like this where there's horrible catastrophes, you just never see the kid crew members. They just don't talk about it. Yep. <laughs> Isn't it just uh, Naomi? Uh, well, later there's each Heb and the other board mm. kids. I like how they don't have names. Uh, they probably do. <laughs> they don't get a lot of screen time after they're introduced. Yeah, Ichab is the only named one because he's the most competent one. He's, he's like, he, yeah, he basically becomes a crew member and he stays on the ship when most of them leave. Mm-hmm. So he has a slightly longer story arc. Yeah, he's the Voyager Wesley Crusher. Sort of, yeah. 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 Less charisma. Yeah. But which makes him nicer, in my opinion. <laughs> and he's just... He's just a Borg. Like, he's kind of emotionless yeah. and methodical. He's fine. We'll, we'll watch an Echep episode t- sometime, I'm sure. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. fun, I guess. We'll watch he's it accidentally, because no one remembers Echep episode. I don't hate him. I don't have a lot of feelings about him. I actually looked him up on IMDb. He's from Santa Cruz. Oh, weird. Yeah. Cool. Let's go visit. Chakotay's from Bakersfield. Ah. Huh. Yep. Hmm. Huh. I'm glad he got out. <laughs> <laughs> he escaped. Congratulations, oh. uh... He rose above his station. Trying to remember that actor's name. Robert Belcher. Yeah. Just say Robert and you've guessed. Congrats, Rob. (laughs) Robert. Robbie. There's like three Roberts in this cast. Robert. Bobby. (laughs) Quantum Slipstream Drive. Oh my god. So I know we've been talking about how like it's faulty and problematic and stuff like that, but I'm like, okay, well if the if the phase variance problem comes in. 17 seconds why don't you just run that thing at 16 seconds in a couple of jumps because like they did it 10 years and like nothing yeah so it seemed like there were there were a lot of requirements to get the quantum slipstream working right like they spent several months developing it and when they did that they ended up having a raw like a an exotic material that was required that naturally decayed there's a consumable in there it's (laughs) not just consumable but it actually like dissipates over time and so the longer they wait to use it the less they have to use and then it takes uh, i think several months to develop again but to counter my own statement they had nothing but time 
like why didn't they devote a couple engineers to this project while they're doing their normal warp journey and then it's like hey let's work out this quantum slipstream problem we can perfectly replicate the um physics in the holodeck as we've seen in this episode mm-hmm. so like we can create a perfect simulation and then make iterations and just keep going till we get it right because that takes away the urgency but like <laughs> You know, do your 10-year jump and say, hey, this is a freaking proof of concept. We just proved that we can make a quantum slipstream retrofitting a ship that wasn't designed for it. That's crazy. Now let's make it better. <clears throat> so here's here's another suggestion. The shuttle, the Delta Flyer with Harry Kim and Chakotay successfully made it along their path through the slipstream drive all the way back to Earth. They know that they got back. They know like what they know that that Harry succeeded, that the Delta Flyer succeeded. So really could they make just enough shuttles to curry ever to curry curry whatever curry all act as couriers yes to to transport all of the crew and just destroy Voyager ooh convert Voyager into shuttles and yeah. just throw them through the slipstream yes <laughs> a few people didn't make it but it's fine well I mean just like I guess they probably can't do transports but just have the doctor or like a backup doctor like just very minimalist run the ship. I have a feeling that the Delta Flyer making it home itself was kind of an accident. Like this Delta Flyer can't control the slipstream. It has to the slipstream drive was run by Voyager. Right. But you're basically saying Voyager should act as a quantum slingshot. Yeah. Voyager <laughs> and, should be a railgun that just shoots them into the <laughs> shoot <laughs> shuttles in faster than hyperspeed. I mean, yeah, they obviously didn't have this idea roundtable when they were coming up with plans for this episode. Yeah, like, I could see it as being difficult because Harry, alternate Harry, spent 10 plus years working out this problem and wasn't able to solve it. It's like, fine, it's a hard problem. But Voyager has more than one Harry Kim. They've got all these engineers that can, like, combine their man hours and, like, figure something out in less time. Or if it takes 10 years, that's fine. It's still knocking 10 plus years, like, so much time off their trip. When you said Voyager has more than one Harry I know, Kim. I realized I, was... I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> they don't have just Harry. I saw that and I was like, uh, yeah. They've got a holodeck full of Harrys. <laughs> just, just wait a little while, eventually there'll be a temporal paradox and when, we'll get even more Harrys. <laughs> when a thousand Harry Kims sit in front of a thousand typewriters, they meant quantum slipstream. Maybe we should uh, get somebody higher higher than rank of Ensign to work on this stuff. <laughs> Maybe we have better engineers. Don't be ridiculous. Maybe we've got a Borg. <laughs> The Borg, who use quantum slipstream technology. Uh, it's true. Like, regularly. She's doing the best she can. <laughs> they do Except for the not end. really. <laughs> I mean, it is basically how they get home. Yes. I mean, obviously, that's going to be how they get home. Like They kind of foreshadow it is. They, they steal it from the Borg. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they definitely foreshadow it. They're like, we're not going to use this until we fix it. It's like, okay. <laughs> Tick-tock. There's been... There's at least one other episode where they use quantum slipstream. They get tricked by an alien to make them think that they're getting communication from the Alpha Quadrant. And the alien gives them a ship that looks like a Federation ship. But really, the alien is getting vengeance for 8472, the Voyager interaction with Borg in 8472, because the consequence was that alien's um, species got destroyed by the Borg. Uh, huh. I did not remember that. Really? Uh, good. I just watched it pretty recently. It's a good episode. Cool. But yeah, so... That's actually, the, I believe, their first introduction to quantum slipstream as a technology. And then later they learned to develop it. The warp core is more boring looking, though. It's I, just strips of lights. I liked the, uh, the slipstream having the uh, yellow and green. The running lights. Yeah, the running lights look good. And then I got a little freaked out because Bolana fucked 
I get that it's a tradition, but she breaks a bottle of champagne right next to him. It's like, uh, careful. Don't you break champagne on new ships, not new engines? Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do on the outside of the ship. Like, if, an, if a ship gets retrofitted with, like, an electric motor instead of a diesel engine, do they break a bottle over it? That, yeah. It's still Voyager. But it's cool Voyager. I think that's bad luck to rechristen the ship. It's interesting, though. You get to see Janeway's... I mean, you know that Janeway's drive is there, but then even when she um, invites Chakotay over for a lovemaking session slash... <laughs> Our last <laughs> night together in the Delta Quadrant. Yeah. I think that's her words. Oh, that is exactly her words. You know. <laughs> yep, yep. It's now or never, dude, bro. Uh, but will be court-martial when we get home, so... Yeah. <laughs> Well, because uh, he's like, oh, you already made up your mind then. She's like, yep, you can either go along with it or suck a dick. That's <laughs> what I heard. I mean, she cares what he thinks, but it's not going to affect her decision. It's her white whale. Is it just me or did everybody act very similar? I, I mean, I guess this makes sense, but they, they acted very similarly to the uh, Pitcher Plan episode where I guess they, they did agree to, to use caution, but they made such reckless decisions because they were so tempted by this easy solution. And occasionally when somebody would react to the news and they'd be like, oh, no, I don't need it. And I was just like, man, you're using the exact same, like, mannerisms that you did in that one episode, and it's creeping me out. <laughs> I like how Tom was the voice of reason. He's like, I've been running the math. I'm like, you know math? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so in this episode, arguably Tom might be the hero, which is a little weird. Yeah. Because it was also a smart hero move, yeah. as opposed to, like, just, oh, I'm going to charge in. It is interesting that Janeway is the one that's ultimately like, eh, there's only a chance that we're all gonna die horribly. Let's do it. Whatever. What's that? You have a last minute idea to correct this problem? Yeah. <laughs> Let's like, do it. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I trust you, Ensign Kim. Ensign's <laughs> like, one of the, like, filed flight plans for anything. That was weird. <laughs> Everything's Just, different in Voyager. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're in the Delta Quadrant now. Why did they need the Delta Flyer in the future timeline? I, I get... Most of the other pieces of their plan were involved like, oh, so we need a piece of Seven's brain so we can talk to her in the past. Fine. In order to do that, we need a surgeon who knows how to operate on Borg. Fine. We get the doctor. So I guess that explains why they got the Delta Flyer. No, it doesn't because he was no. on Voyager. Why did they need the Delta Flyer? They didn't. Well, Why so do they need a 15-year-old experimental ship? There's got to be better shuttles out there. Like, Also, they're not in the Federation. They could just go buy something on the gray market, like get a Ferengi ship or something that's unregistered. Like, the Delta Flyer thing was totally pointless. Or something with stealth. This is the one problem, the biggest problem I had with this episode was the Delta Flyer. Because what ended up happening was you had them going back and forth between past and future scenes of the Delta Flyer being followed by a larger starship. I'm like, what timeline are we in right now? <laughs> I know why. That was the only set they had. <laughs> For the interior, maybe. Yeah. maybe. That does let them reuse sets. That's, that's fair. They, they, that's why they don't have scenes on Earth and stuff. They have iced over Voyager, and they have Delta Flyer looking the same. And a little bit of outdoor ice. You don't even get interior for the uh, Challenger. <laughs> I was going to try and argue that uh, they had familiarity with Delta Flyer, but then I realized that wasn't Tessa flying mm -hmm. Delta Flyer most of the time. Yeah. Balls. Yeah, she was even complaining about it being old, like not maneuverable. Maybe that's maybe that's how they got her to come along. They were like, hey, you want to ride on the Delta Flyer? Vintage Voyager craft. Yeah. Her, her eyes just light up. <laughs> she goes like, we need the Delta Flyer. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> I'm just picturing Chakotay still in the Delta Flyer and then like flying really slowly by like a group of people. Just, yeah. Getting a lap dance the whole time. <laughs> it was a little confusing to see 
them cut back and forth between two exterior shots that looked effectively identical. Mm. So you had to check the nacelles to see which year it was. I feel like maybe this is just me misperceiving things, but it seemed like in the future the Delta Flyer had darker lighting than it normally does. Like, I think they went for a gloomier look in just the lighting. <laughs> it's the grim, dark alternate future. Yeah, yeah well, that's that's exactly what they did with their outfits and yeah, all that. It reflects like, their There were like leather yeah. duster types, not duster, but like. I mean, civilian uniforms are crazy in, <laughs> in the Federation. But, but these were like. These weren't normal. They looked almost like they were like first contact. Well, yeah, either maquis outfits or like first contacty. Yeah, um, civilian twenty (laughs) fifties. Yeah, Uh, civilian clothes twenty first century. (laughs) I like the vintage look, in memory of Tom. Rip. (laughs) Alrighty. Yeah, I I still would have liked to this to have been a two parter episode because presumably them being the heroes like who made it back from the Delta Quadrant, they'd probably have good jobs. They'd probably have plenty of money. Like they probably should be happy in terms of material possessions, and yet they're just like miserable, especially poor Harry. Yeah, they could they could have done so much with that. Yep. They they could have done Harry repressing like horrible depression at like. At a ceremony in Voyager's Honor, they could have him like furiously working on the math that he fucks up again <laughs> uh, over the course of whatever assignment he gets. They could have Ch- Chakotay like have some motivation at all, <laughs> and they could have had no Doctor info dump because that's how we got all this information. Because the Doctor was the unfamiliar party, so Harry's like, "Let me fill you in." So yeah. This is how the last fifteen years has been. I would have rather seen it. Record scratch. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's me. You're probably wondering how I got in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they could have had Harry never playing the clarinet again. How dare you? His clarinet was on Voyager, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> the only clarinet. There was only one. They've we've had a lot of since the, you were gone. The clarinet was the only thing that was destroyed in the crash. <laughs> His clarinet hands. My clarinet hands! <laughs> so, so, I say that jokingly, but... But... Like, Harry is the epitome of the character that wants to get back to Earth to have this really fucking boring life more than anybody else. (laughs) He wants to go, like, hug his mom, play clarinet for his Canadian girlfriend. (laughs) And I would have... Date her, maybe marry her. And and I would have loved to have Harry go back and do none of those things. (laughs) Yeah. Because he just... It it didn't work. It destroys him. Yeah. Yeah. He He can't have joy, like... All the things he wanted to do because of what he's been through. Yeah. Like, yeah, more trauma would have been good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I totally agree. I think I totally he, he could have pulled it off if they did that. They showed that he did a pretty capable job Dear going Brian to those Fuller. places. <laughs> Who was involved in this episode. He was a story editor. Yep. So so here's the thing. If, if they had all these um, flashback scenes developing this background, and we don't need all the exposition to the Doctor... Um, then do we need the doctor? No. The like, reason they give for it, I don't think is justified necessarily. It's surgery yeah, or, like taking, or autopsy is what they need. Yeah, basically. they could have figured that out. Like, they could have already known when they were going to leave that they needed to dissect Seven's brain. And they could have figured that shit out. They're capable. Or the doctor could have been one of the survivors, and that could have explained his presence there. I was going to say, or they could have um, Tessa have a medical background or some some. Sure. Sure. Have bring yeah. in some more depth yeah. to the other character. Like they could have started it with like 
Harry going to um, Chicote being like, we gotta go back, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought it was like lost. No. It's your kids. Kate, we have to go back. <laughs> we gotta do something about your kids. <laughs> They're assholes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically like that. And then like, like you can see like they're normal and then it's just like, no, we gotta do this. And like him talking Chipotle into it. And then like maybe the doctor flickers or something because... Why is there still power on board Voyager? <laughs> they have that cool Federation tech where you just wipe off a little bit of ice and oh, then you go yeah, back in and yeah. all power comes back. Yeah, mm. but like if the doctor was like barely there, it would have made it even more like urgent or angsty. I want to talk about the um, the way that the episode opened because they didn't tell you what was going on for a while. Mm-hmm. And I thought that it was a really well done opening, not just pre credits, but also post credits. Um, well, pre credits, I don't think you can even tell it's Harry and Chakotay. You right? can't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so just you just see Voyager, and you have no front frame of reference for the time or who's there, and then it's them wandering these like frozen hallways and shit not working and you can barely tell when they take off their masks and uh, goggles, and I think they're wearing hoods too. Um, you can barely see the hair discoloration, so you can't even tell that they're that much older because it's also poor, well, kind of poorly lit in there. Yeah, yeah, I, I was impressed with that. I, mm-hmm. I always like when they throw you in the middle of a scene and you kind of have to figure out where you are. Mm-hmm. You're like, you just feel disjointed. Well, yeah, it winds up being a puzzle for the audience. Sometimes that that's more of a pain in the ass. In in a situation like this, I think it's done well and. It, it winds up being interesting. Yeah, I think the first body that you're meant to see, I think that's supposed to be Paris. But oh, you don't. You see yeah, but you don't really get it until you see Janeway, because yeah. it's obviously Janeway. And then frozen Chakotay starts crying, and he <laughs> kneels on the ground. <laughs> he huddles a little closer to Tessa, and he's yep. like, can I call you Janeway? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he cries one tear, and then it like melts her, and then like, true love's kiss. <laughs> Something, something. Wait, the tear kisses? Yeah, yeah, it was a tear kiss. <laughs> Wait, is this tangled? Yeah, I think it might be. <laughs> or enchanted. Or Change the fate's design. Uh, <laughs> That's a good oh idea. Do your ride puller. More like frozen. <laughs> this is a really surface joke. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> not, don't think about it too yeah. much. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> Everyone's like... Really? Yeah, the I was like, nobody, nobody got tear kissed. There's no frozen. sister love in this yeah. episode. Not that I know of. There's no talking snowman, Jim. What are you saying? <laughs> That's what this episode needed. Josh Gabby yeah. snowman. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> actually, always, nothing, he, nothing he, ever needs Josh Gabby. I think he'd be a, a fun Josh alien. No. He, he'd be a lovable, goofy I enjoy alien that guy. guy. A, a car wash needs Josh Gabby. <laughs> He could be like another Talaxian. He could uh, be a Talaxian. The last him? thing Voyager <laughs> oh, needs no. is another Talaxian. Okay. Why? <laughs> or like the world's worst Klingon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that would be. That would be uh, I would like that episode. Uh, I'm gonna start a petition. Yep. We should just tweet him these ideas. He should get on Discovery. Yep. Oh, no. Just a dish esser cult. <laughs> I fucking hate this so much. I'm dying. Don't die. I'm dying. I prefer Hamlet, the original Klingon. That, that was a good impression. Thank I you. Just like him. Oh, it hurts. 
get to see Darkest Timeline Chipotle with his, like, shrine to Janeway and his, like, <laughs> his Janeway mannequins. The Janeway wig he puts on and she's really into Voyager, so she's into it. Oh, yeah. she you role plays she's right away. Oh, man. Oh. I been a weird she's the captain. Scene. They probably met at a con. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> a Voyager con? Yeah. He's, oh, like, signing I pictures. Like <laughs> I don't like this. And she's in line. <laughs> so in this future timeline, they get home, they're treated as celebrities, and there are conventions dedicated to their adventures, and people cosplay as crew members, and they have panels. I mean, I've seen Galaxy Quest, too. Yeah, yeah. Justin, <laughs> Justin, Quest, Justin yeah. Long shows up in line. Asking about <laughs> Voyager's schematics. So the top speed was 9.975, but in this episode... <laughs> my, my favorite line, which I started shouting wildly um, way too early and scared Arthur, uh, was the, uh, we are as one. We are, we are as, as one. one. Yes, drunk seven. Yes. Drunk on synth hall. Oh, yeah. You're intoxicated. <laughs> I'm, I was gonna make a meme before I came over here, like her staring at her hand. It's like they call them fingers, but have you ever seen the thing? <laughs> Drunk Seven would be a pretty good little meme, Jen. Yes. Oh my god. Okay, Drunk Seven and uh, one other character in a fic. Harry Kim. Yeah. Oh, like Seven without inhibitions. Yeah, Ooh. it's got to be Seven Harry. Drunk Bolana. <laughs> Double drunk. And that's how they get their pirate ship. <laughs> then they both get wasted yeah. on grog. <laughs> they, just, they just go steal on hollow grog, they, they, and then they 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 wake up from a blackout and they have they're, stolen a ship. Like, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's a good idea. They're like, why are we on Herogen ship? And, <laughs> and, why, and why are there so many dead Herogen? Why are the Herogen heads on spikes all around? Us? <laughs> why do we have six mounted to our hull? Oh. They have to like. Gradually remember the night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's like it's dude, the hangover. Yeah, right. the hangover. Same basically. Dude, where's yeah. my ship? Where's your ship, dude? <laughs> what does mine say? <laughs> Sweet. I never saw that movie actually. It's a good one. <laughs> you remember the exchange? I, I I would read that fic. I might write that. Dude, fic. where's my ship? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to find Voyager. <laughs> what did we do last night? <laughs> That's a, that's a good idea. Write that one down. I like this one. I guess I don't really need to write it down, because when I listen to this, I'll be like, oh, I should write that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good reminder. They find Harry Kim tied up in a closet. <laughs> Which yeah. of us did we, you? We, did you? We, uh, could have been either of us. Could he's got both. the thousand yard stare. <laughs> he's not talking. <laughs> Ungag him. He's still not talking. <laughs> Didn't help. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll read that fic. I'll upload mm-hmm. that. Sweet. <laughs> the past scenes that weren't immediately about the accident were kind of forgettable. Like, everyone gets a moment on screen, except maybe Tuvok? Um, he's at the... Um, oh, yeah, he, he has, has a line like, about Neelix. He has like yeah. a line. But he's, he's also in the briefing where Harry is describing the issue. Mm-hmm. And he's like up, he's on the bridge where Janeway's like, did the, did the calls come, come through? Inside the house? Yeah, you know. <laughs> Seven's like, ah, oh, somebody sent me a message. Two yeah. bucks there. I don't remember what he says, but he's there. He's got like three or four lines. It's a, it's a small part in this episode. That's how it goes sometimes. He probably mm-hmm. recorded them a few weeks in advance, and then he was on vacation. <laughs> Check the shots. He's <laughs> only one in each shot. Actually, I feel like Neelix is probably the one that was least in it. Was he in it at all? He had the uh, space 
fly. Yeah, the first fly. Uh, the, the furry fly rat that yeah. he gave to Bolana. Bolana was totally shitty to him, but... It's kind of a cool little... Uh, it's like cute. Prop. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Throws it in the empty matter. It just evaporates. <laughs> I thought it was kind of cool, and then I was staring at its face, and I was like, it has no mouth. It has this weird little cone thing that sticks out of the yeah. lower half of its head. It looked like it was a, just a giant fly. Like, it was insect shape, but it was furry, and it had like a curved tail yeah. stinger. I thought it looked neat. I thought it looked cool. I just was looking at it and I was like, what did they do for a face? Like, oh, is that one of the dried up macrocosm? That was another two <laughs> month line, though. He's like, Neelix, you never see. So astonished. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Vulcan. Yeah. It's like, that was kind of shady. I like it. Hmm? He throws shade. Yep. I totally forgot about the beginning part of the episode. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> like the beginning where we're thrown into the future scene or the beginning where we see the quantum substream get christened? That. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I like that scene. It's just a yeah. fun little happy moment. Yeah, they're all like, "Woo, we're going home! All right, confetti that somebody has yeah. to clean up." Everybody is throwing <laughs> confetti in there. Yeah, it's like this is a workplace. <laughs> what are you guys doing? And yeah. the champagne, like this is all carpet, guys. Yeah. And it's <laughs> like sensitive. Starfleet ships <laughs> are all carpeted. <laughs> Someone has to clean that up. Yep, sensitive equipment. Whatever. We're just in like main engineering. Who gives a shit when we get <laughs> champagne? Yeah, just build like, up static. Walk across <laughs> this rug. <laughs> <laughs> the janitorial staff is like these. And their confetti. <laughs> Every week with these guys. <laughs> Some to celebrate. Some Talaxian holiday. <laughs> I gotta clean up. It's like every goddamn weekend is a Talaxian holiday. <laughs> Takes work off every time. <laughs> I guess Neelix could just like make shit up. It's not like any business to disprove. How them. could they verify it? <laughs> I mean, presumably his ship's computer has some. Shh. Yeah, no, that doesn't. <laughs> also, there's no money, so as long as things are getting done, who cares how much work people do? To be fair, I think that some people would pay Neelix not to cook. True. That's very true. <laughs> oh, he's, he's out this week. Here it is. Like, oh no. Oatmeal and ranch dressing. Oh, where am I going to go get my Leola root stew? <laughs> Neelix goes on hiatus from cooking in order to do his uh, good morning Voyager thing. <laughs> he's starting to some backlog episodes. He's starting a new series, Good Afternoon Voyager. Oh no. <laughs> and then prime time with Neelix. And then good morning with Voyager. Nights. <laughs> it's him in pajamas. It looks exactly the same. <laughs> He's just wearing a different carpet. He's like, I realize there's no such thing as nighttime. <laughs> I'm, ready. Yeah. I'm ready for after hours with Voyager. <laughs> He's in like a smoking it. jacket. <laughs> Like a it's pipe. like masterpiece theater. Yeah, he's got he's got one of those chairs that looks like the hand that's like. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking of Tim ladies Meadows' man. ladies man. Yep. <laughs> oh man. It's like we're siblings or something. Yep. Weird. <laughs> I fondly remember this episode. My mother watched a lot of Voyager with me as well when it aired, and this is definitely, I believe, I'm pretty sure this is this is definitely her favorite episode, and I can see why. It's a good chance for Garrett Wong to get a different performance and explore more depth than he usually does. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how I came off in the conversation, but I actually really liked this episode, so I'm just going to put that, th- that out there on the record. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> Let the record so state. Yep. I think it was an important Voyager episode. Even though, because it's time travel, it has no actual consequences. Well, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, it's like... it with least important story It sets a lot of stuff up. Harry doesn't even learn anything from it, because he didn't do anything. <laughs> That's true. Alt Harry did it all. He learns no. that he's still alive in the future. Yeah. 
He's like, oh, if I ever screw up, I'll just travel back in time and fix it. Yeah. Sweet. Well, he doesn't know that that Harry died uh, <laughs> in a horrible explosion. <laughs> well, he didn't because that never happened. Well, yeah. yeah, but... But we saw it. Yeah, when you got the message... If you're watching this, I died in a horrible explosion. <laughs> I decided that's how I want to go. <laughs> <laughs> Make it happen. And so I got my Harry now. <laughs> so technically... Look at me. Like me. Look at me. <laughs> I am the ensign now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I like how that's like the most badass thing you can think of to say. I go by Harry. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I really like this episode. I picked it, um, first of all, because I really like... I like Harry, um, despite his uh, tendency to be in really goofy situations and goofy episodes. But um, I really like him, and I like seeing a different version of him. And I like Jaded Harry in a different way. I'm not going to say I like him more than normal Harry, but, you know, it was great to see Garrett Wong do his thing. And then I also really liked it because, first of all, it takes the crew being reckless in multiple ways, and, and you get to see them suffer really bad consequences for it in a way that they can pull back from, which is nice. You know, keep it all in one episode kind of thing, even though it would be really cool to see it as a two-parter. But um, I really liked seeing this awesome technology just not work properly, or at least in the way that they wanted it to. The time um, phone. Yeah, well, not not even the time phone. The, the time phone quantum worked just fine. Stream. Yeah, the quantum slipstream was yeah. just like, you know, it's this deus ex machina, and they're just like, oh, hey, we built this thing, and it's really cool, and we're excited about it. And then, up. yeah, it's a lemon. So. Yeah, I like how they <laughs> yeah. chase the technology, like, for the rest of the series, basically. <laughs> it's the most advanced, like, travel tech in Star Trek chronology at this point because voyager is the last thing canonically that yeah. happens it's, yeah it still is at this moment uh, yeah is quantum slipstream more powerful than borg transwarp stuff so transwarp from what i understand is very similar tech but transwarp is like whereas quantum slipstream creates dynamic point-to-point travel transwarp is like existing Between conduits notes. in space like like they're they're persistent paths okay um, I think they behave very similarly, though. That's a good point. I, for some reason, I thought it was Quantum Slipstream, but it was Transwarp in the last episode. They're all going through different discrete magic parts of space. I've always looked back fondly on this episode. Also, I think it did really cool things with how it was shot and how they decided to set up the story in terms of where the reveals came. It's one of my favorites, so that's why I picked it. See, nice. It's a good choice. Yeah, that's a good reason to pick it. <laughs> next week next week we will be watching season two episode 17 dreadnought living missile oh god that one oh, so i remember i'll figure it out another and one of the previous episodes that i that i called season two episode 16 <laughs> he just likes this one arc <laughs> yeah that one, that one was meld and so this is right after meld nice cool good stuff happens in season two yeah. Elogium also happened in season two. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Thank you for listening to Salamander Babies. This has been our episode. You can check us out on the web at salamanderbabies.com, on Twitter at twitter.com slash salamandertruck, and Facebook at facebook.com slash salamanderbabies, on Tumblr at salamanderbabies.tumblr.com. You can also email us with questions or comments or complaints and more tangents for us to get off on or or, or phrasing <laughs> any emails at all would be great i mean or or you could just assign some some awful fic for us to write 
Ooh, I like that. Oh, man. Um, Let's solicit fix and drinking game ideas. Yeah, that will work. So fix and drinking games to hellocomputer at salonmenderbabies.com, computer and program.